0: So uh, Jack Zimmerman, uh, quite a quite a character, right? Uh, He's been with JVMI for 18 years. He has led a Messianic congregation for about 20 years, you know, in the Phoenix on the Phoenix area, and uh, he travels uh, around the world, really, uh, uh, sharing uh, with uh, congregations, churches, Messianic congregations. Uh, about the importance of uh, Israel uh, understanding the scriptures uh, in their uh, you know the Jewish essence and heritage uh, of of the scriptures and we're just so glad Jack that you have been able to uh, spend some time with us today so come and uh, please uh, have the freedom to share as God lays it on your God bless you thank you so much praise the Lord Shabbat Shalom everyone good morning we've got to try that again Shabbat shabbat shalom now we sound like a jewish congregation what a blessing it is wonderful and i know that every speaker says that it is wonderful but let me explain why i'm saying it it is wonderful because i'm here with you on shabbat but it's also wonderful because uh yesterday i flew up from phoenix arizona where the temperature was a tepid 113 degrees And when I got up this morning, it was 68 degrees. And I've already spoken to my wife because she calls me every day and she wants to make sure that I'm safe on the road. And she said, honey, how are you? I said, fine, sweetie, how are you? She said, "Uh, what's the temperature up there? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're we're like five seconds into the phone call and already she wants to start an argument. And, And I said, it was 68 degrees. She said, what? I said it was 68 degrees and, and my wife, she can't stand heat. We need to move here right now. <laughs> and I said, well, sweetie, you also need to know they have something up here in this part of the country that, that we don't have in Arizona. It's a term not often used. You may have heard of it. It's called humidity. And so it really is a blessing to be back in an area where I can walk around and I can actually put an egg out on the street and it doesn't fry here. It's absolutely amazing. So Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Howard, for that wonderful uh, introduction. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give a little bit of a testimony first so that we can get to know one another a little bit better. And then we're gonna get into this wonderful message teaching this morning. What did Yeshua really say, the Hebrew? understanding of the Beatitudes and I noticed when I said that some of you were already grabbing for pads and pens some of those weren't even your own but that's good because this is going to be a good good note-taking teaching message for you this morning so uh, here's here's the uh, the testimony part Uh, I was born in a Jewish home in the Holy Land and in the Messianic movement that's code word for Brooklyn New York and um, it was my parents desire for me growing up that I would do three things to honor them as a Jewish son. And they said, son, the first thing we want you to do is we want you to learn the language of your faith, the Hebrew, and that was the the first thing they wanted me to do, and I did that. And the second thing they wanted me to do is they said, son, when you turn the age of 13, we want you to have your bar mitzvah. And that was the second thing they wanted me to do and i did that and the third thing they wanted me to do is they said son when the time comes for you to get married we want you to marry say it all with me so you know where i'm going a nice jewish goyle. and that was the third thing they wanted me to do and two out of three ain't bad i was uh, 28 and met and married this let's see wonderful blonde-haired (laughs) blue-eyed protestant girl from northeast philadelphia who grew up going to a private christian academy and was raised in the southern baptist church (laughs) and the family was so not amused by this and they said son now you know she believes in this jesus and she's going to try and convert you and you need to be careful i said mom and dad you have absolutely nothing to worry about because I have a plan. And they said, what is your plan? I said, well, my plan is that I'm going to get my, my Christian soon to be wife to forget all about this, this Jesus nonsense and become Jewish like me. And that was my plan. And how many of you know that she also had a plan? And by the fact that I'm standing here this morning glorifying my Yeshua, guess who's plan one? And I want to share with you how she did it, because it lines up so beautifully with what Rabbi Shaul, what Paul says in Romans 11, that, that it is the Gentiles that God would use to provoke the Jewish people to enviousness of their Messiah. And uh, so very early on in our marriage, at one point, she opened up the Bible to me, and she said, I want to read to you a verse in here that speaks about your promised Jewish Messiah. And I said, well, sweetheart, I think I know where you're going, so let's do this. You feel free to start in the book of Genesis, read anything between there and Malachi, just don't go past Malachi, because if you stay in my book, I know I have absolutely nothing to worry about, because of course there's absolutely nothing about Yeshua in the Tanakh. You all know that, don't you? And admittedly, I really did not want to hear what she had to say, but I felt like I was being held captive. I had nowhere to go because we were on our honeymoon. And she opened up the Bible and here's what she began to read. And in a congregation like this, it will sound familiar to you. For he grew up before him like a tender plant, like a root, like a shoot out of dry ground. But he had no beauty to attract us to him, yet he was despised and rejected by men. For he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace, the guilt of our sins, is on his shoulders, not ours. And by his wounds we are healed. And so my wife put the scripture down and looked at me and said, so? And I said, so I don't think you listened to a word I said. I told you I wanted you to stay in my Bible so that I wouldn't have to hear all of this New Testament stuff about your Jesus. And she smiled broadly. And she turned the book around and she said, and you know what I just quoted many of you, she said, Jack, I just read to you the first five verses of the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. She said, hmm, Isaiah, Jack, isn't he on your team (laughs) <laughs> and i said why yes and of course many of you know isaiah 53 is one of many many messianic prophecies anyway the year was 1988 the month was april and i gave my life and my heart to yeshua in a very very jewish location the bible baptist church of fort pierce florida and here we are today in columbus ohio and god is so very good amen you can give him praise going to be a good thing or not, you can give God praise. My goodness, we need to wake up a little bit this morning. I want to get into this message for you because when we attend a messianic congregation, we come to the incredible revelation that the Bible was not originally written in the King James language. Isn't that correct? And when we look at the Hebraic aspects of it, so much more comes out that we never knew was in there. And one of the places where it comes out the most is in the Beatitudes of Yeshua. You all know them from Matthew chapter 5. Maybe you know them by heart. You've read them so many times over and over and over again. But the problem or the concern is maybe every time that you've read them, you've read them from a traditional English Bible version that really didn't capture the Hebrew background and the Hebrew understanding of it. And so why don't we be Yeshua's Deem and see if we can go back some 2,000 years ago to the Mount of the Beatitudes and sit with him there and find out what he really said. Are you ready to take that journey with me? Amen. And by the way, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have that cell phone, so you can turn it off if you'd like. What did Yeshua really say? First, let me take you to the Mount of the Beatitudes beautiful scene, isn't it? Looks like downtown, exactly like downtown Columbus. So here, Yeshua is sitting with his Talmudim, they're overlooking, this is the north end of the Sea of Galilee. You are looking, by the way, in a southwesterly direction, somewhere off there is the beautiful town or city of Tiberias. And you've all read, of course, the the Beatitudes, you know how the wording goes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who've been persecuted. Now, here's something that you probably don't know. When the Talmudim were sitting around and Yeshua was saying these things, I would hazard a guess, and I think it's a good one, that some if not all of them were saying, you know, this language sounds very familiar to us. It sounds as if we've heard it somewhere before. This is not the first time that we've heard, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And if you were sitting at Yeshua's feet, you would also say that that language sounds familiar. In fact, it sounds very, very much like this. Blessed are all who trust in him, blessed are those who dwell, blessed are those who have learned, blessed are those who act justly, blessed are those without blame, blessed are those who obey, and blessed are those whose God is the Lord. Doesn't that sound remarkably like the language of the Beatitudes that Yeshua just spoke? And it's interesting because all of these come from the Psalms and you see the number preceding each and every one of them applies to which psalm it was and so as the disciples are listening to yeshua say these things they're saying my goodness we recognize this this actually comes out of the psalms could yeshua's beatitudes that we've been reading all along for so many years have their origins in the psalms and because of that hebrew background could what we've been reading be a little bit different than what yeshua actually said well what i'm going to do now is i'll take you through the beatitudes in the language that you've been taught we'll see where each one of them likely comes from and then we'll look at the hebrew and see what it really said and what was really meant here's the first one everyone matthew chapter 5 verse 3. this is probably the traditional way you have learned this beatitude blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now i believe that when the disciples were hearing this and particularly when they heard that term poor in spirit they were probably nodding their heads and saying you know i think we've heard something very very similar to that in fact i think as yeshua is speaking right now he's getting this language perhaps from the psalms maybe even this one psalm thirty-four, eighteen: the lord is near to them that are of a contrite heart and will save the lowly in spirit so we see that what yeshua is saying here during the beatitudes likely comes right out of the psalms let's reconstruct this a little bit further because again this is written in hebrew and we see that the language says blessed are Actually, it's not so much blessed are as it is happy are. But even more than that, the term for blessed are or happy are is, whoops, let me go back down, this particular word over here, and I've put it in transliteration so that you all can say it. Everyone say ashray. When the Psalms say blessed are, and when Yeshua says blessed are or happy are, in the original Hebrew, he's beginning with the word ashray. But in Hebrew, the word ashray does not have a verb that follows it. And so in actuality, it's not so much blessed are or happy are. It's more like, oh, the happiness of. So now that you have that language, let's take a closer look or a better look at that first beatitude and find out what it's really saying. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, the simple term, it means that you're spiritually bankrupt. You have absolutely nothing inside to be able to give to the Lord. In terms of faith, you are empty. You want to give. You want to be able to love and to worship him. But you realize there's nothing there, and you feel totally hopeless. With that in mind, perhaps this is a better way to actually state this very first beatitude. Probably something like this. Oh, the happiness that comes when you realize you can't do anything without God. Only then will you submit to his will. This is certainly a lot different from what we've been reading in the scriptures. Amen. Let's go on now to our next beatitude from Matthew chapter 5 verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And I don't know about you, but every time I've read this, I've always thought, you know, that's not exactly the case. Maybe I'm missing something here. Because if blessed means happy, let's see, happy are those who mourn. No, we're not. Because if you are in mourning, you're not happy. Because if you were happy, you wouldn't be mourning. Are you getting me? Are you following me on this? Well, before we unpack this, Why don't we see where this particular uh, beatitude comes from? Because it talks about, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I'm confident that when Yeshua was speaking those words, the disciples said, my goodness, mourn, uh, those who mourn will be comforted. That language sounds familiar too. It sounds like it comes out of our Tanakh. In fact, it sounds like it comes right out of the book of Isaiah. Take a look here in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. And of course, Yeshua spoke these words in the synagogue on Shabbat in Luke chapter 4, where he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And look at this and to comfort all who mourn. And so, sometime later on, when Yeshua says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, don't you know exactly what? the thought is coming from this particular verse now let's take a closer look at this blessed or happy are those who mourn again no we're not so what does that mean well let me show you a photo and this photo is a photo i guess several years now about two years ago uh senator john mccain had passed away and this is his daughter megan crying over his casket, I believe in his service at the the Capitol in Washington, DC. Now she is mourning and she is grieving. I have a question for you. Does she look happy? Thank you. That was easy. Uh, But when it talks about blessed or happy are those who mourn, it's not talking about mourning over the death of a loved one. It's talking about the fact that imagine you, let's say being so broken up in grief and having an expression like this on your face, not because someone died, but because you committed sin and you feel so badly about it that you hurt the heart of God, that it brings you to this place where you are in such anguish and tears, it is as if someone died. That's the type of mourning that's being spoken of in this verse, and so a better way of saying this particular beatitude from Matthew 5:4, oh, how fortunate when your heart breaks because you sinned, the Lord will console and refresh you. It, doesn't this sound a little bit different than what you've been reading in your Bibles all these years? As we go on, let's go on next to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I can tell you that when Yeshua spoke this beatitude, he was thinking of a psalm because we know the exact psalm that he got it from. And it's this one, everybody. Take a look at the language Psalm 37, verse 11. The meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace now to understand what yeshua is really saying here we need to know and understand the definition of meek and i would say my best recollection of meek growing up uh, uh, back in the oh, 1960s even early 1960s uh, when when you were a kid in brooklyn new york many of us would read comic books And and in the back pages of comic books, all the ads were the same, regardless of which one you read. And probably one of the most popular ones was something like this. Anybody remember that one? Oh goodness, we've got a couple of hands in acknowledgments there. I see you read some of the same comic books that I did. So this is like circa 1963, 1964 and and of course when you are a 12 13 year old boy what you want more than anything else is big muscles and to be strong and so the advertising companies knowing that decided to take this ad out in the back of a magazine in the form of a comic strip now let me kind of i'll give you if you will the overall expression of what it's saying i don't need to read it verbatim because as you can see it's not scripture you know okay so so there is a man sitting on a beach with his girlfriend, and uh, another man comes over. And, and uh, what he does is, if you wanted to incite violence against someone, and they were sitting on the, D, uh, the beach back in these days, what you would do is you would kick sand in their faces. This was considered a very violent action 50 years ago. And so a man comes over, starts kicking sand, and of course, the man who is sitting under the umbrella with his girlfriend gets up and he goes to confront this other man. And the man says, listen here, I'd smash your face, only you're so skinny you might dry up and blow away. And the intimidated man says, basically, that big bully, I'll get even someday. And the girl who's with him says, oh, don't let it bother you, little boy. Ooh which makes this man very very upset and so what he decides to do is he decides to go home and send away for a book written by a man back then named charles atlas who looked exactly like that and he said i'm going to do what charles atlas says in this book and i'm going to become buff and i'm going to become strong and no man will ever come and kick sand at me and my girlfriend on the beach ever again so he orders the book and he works out and and sometime later he looks just like that man well the man once again comes along on the beach and of course our now new strong man says what you here again here's something i owe you and he just decks him and the guy's girlfriend says oh mac you are a real man after all and of course they go off into the sunset hero of the beach this is the world's rendering if you will of meekness Our understanding of the word meek means that that you're easily intimidated. You let people walk all over you and you allow them to bully you. That's the world's definition, but it's not Scripture's definition. In Scripture's definition, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. Meekness basically essentially means that you are someone who realizes that you don't know everything and you're willing to learn and you've got a teachable spirit. You know that you're not a know-it-all and you're always open to receiving what someone has to say. That's true meekness and it's a beautiful thing. And so when Yeshua said, blessed are the meek, it was actually closer, much, much closer to something like this. Oh, the happiness, when you're humble enough to admit you don't know it all and you're willing to learn, it is you who will see God supply all of your needs. Let's go on to our next beatitude. Unless some of you are still writing, by the way. If you are, just raise your hand. It's okay. I don't want to go too quickly. We've got fast writers. Very good. On to our next one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Yeshua says in our traditional reading or rendering, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I believe it's possible that he may have been thinking of this when he said it. Psalm 42, verse 2. My soul thirsts for God. Now, let me explain what kind of hunger and thirst we're talking about, because this is hunger and thirst being described 2,000 years ago in the land of Israel. And in our 20th, first century minds, it's a little bit different for us. If we're hungry, we go over to Kroger or Meyer and go shopping and pick up something to eat. And if we're thirsty, maybe we'll pick up some water or beverages. It's not a problem for us at all today. Back in ancient Israel, it was entirely different. The one, the head of the household, who was bringing in some type of an income most of the time, barely had enough money to buy food to last the family for that day. And as far as water, if you didn't live close to the well, there's a good possibility that someone in the house would have to walk a long time to bring that water back. In other words, you back then, and the time Yeshua is referring to hunger and thirst, He's speaking about a hunger that is so intense that if you didn't get food in a very short time, you would die. And if you didn't have something to drink, you might die as well. It's that type of hunger and it's that type of thirst. And so perhaps the beatitude really should have been written or sounds more like this. Oh, the happiness when you seek God's ways, just as a starving and parched person are in the same way a starving and parched person seeks food and drink if you desire god's will that much to the point of where you need it and want it to survive you will always be satisfied and that's a better rendering of the beatitude let's go on to our next one here from Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy if that language sounds familiar to you it's because you first read it in the psalms here's where yeshua got this one from psalm 18 verse 25 with the merciful you show yourself merciful now what exactly does that word mercy or merciful mean and the answer is First, we have to find out which Hebrew word applies to it because there are several different Hebrew words and they all mean mercy, but they don't all mean the same type of mercy. Let me show you which Hebrew word this is. It's the Hebrew word rachum. This is the word that Yeshua is referring to as he's speaking, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. But what is Rahum mercy? It's compassion. It's pity. It's showing restraint and imposing punishment. Let me give you a present day analogy. So you're heading on Interstate 17, you get on the highway and you're driving from here to Springfield. Not a long drive at all. And you know that for the most part the posted speed limit in some of the areas is 65 miles an hour. But you're in a rush to get to Springfield and you say, well, it doesn't look like there's anybody out and you decide to go 80 miles an hour, which as I'm looking at you, it looks like that's what most of you do anyway, but that's for another time. And so you're driving on Interstate 70 and you get pulled over and you know you're 15 miles over the speed limit. And the officer comes over to you and said, you know, the speed limit was 65 miles an hour. And of course your response to the officer is, yes, officer, I know, but I wasn't gonna be out that long. And, And so the officer says, that's a really good joke. It's the best one I've heard all day. And you know, I was going to give you a ticket, but I think this time I will let you off with a warning. And you feel so relieved. Because it's the third warning you've gotten that day. You didn't get what you deserved. That's rachum. That's the type of mercy that Yeshua is speaking of in here. So perhaps a better way of saying this beatitude. Oh, how fortunate you are when you can show compassion toward others, especially when they don't deserve it. You know what? Because of this, God will and he does do the same for you. Let's go on to our next one. If you need more time to write this, just raise your hand. It's okay. All right, I see that hand. I'll leave it up there just, uh, just once more. We've got just a, a few left as we're learning the Beatitudes and understanding their original Hebraic background and aspect of it. Let's go on now to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, our next Beatitude. Here's the way you've always read it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Could it be that Yeshua got this beatitude from what he read and know very, very well in the Psalms, specifically the first part in Psalm 24, the first part of verse 4, and the last part of verse 5, the one with clean hands and a pure heart will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of their salvation. What exactly in the Hebrew here does it mean to have a pure heart? Very, very simply, it means, my friends, that you have no ulterior motives. It means when you do something for someone, you're doing something nice for someone, not because you are expecting something in return, but simply because this is who you are and you love to love. In fact, if they tried actually to give you something in return, you'd probably feel very uncomfortable receiving it. That's the analogy of pure in heart that's being used here. And so perhaps a better way to say this, Oh, the happiness when your motives are pure and you want nothing in return. It is you who will know God in all of his fullness. Much, much better way of saying that. As we go on, just several more Beatitudes to cover here. Let's look now at our next one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God of god there is a place in the psalms where it talks about peacemakers or those who make peace and that would be this one psalm 34 verse 4 turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it now what exactly is meant by a peacemaker what or who is a peacemaker what does that mean I think maybe the best way for me to explain that to you would be to first describe what or who is not a peacemaker with a hat off to Jeff Foxworthy. Let's see if I can do this. If you walk into a room and the first people, the first thing that people say when they see you is, uh oh, here comes trouble, you might not be a peacemaker. (laughs) If you get into an argument with someone, and rather than going to them personally in a spirit of love and talking with them and trying to get things settled like Yeshua told you in Matthew 18 you're supposed to do, instead of doing that, you send out emails to all your friends telling them what this person did, and you make sure to go on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else and talk about this person behind their back, and never, never in love confront them with the situation so that you can have resolve it and have peace. You might not be a peacemaker. The peacemaker that's being referred to in here, a true peacemaker, is someone who makes peace with someone, especially when doing so is difficult and uncomfortable for you to have to do. I remember once in, uh, in our congregation in Phoenix, I had one of our congregants, a sweet lady, called me on the phone and she said, Rabbi, I need you to handle something, which immediately caused me alarm. <sighs> and uh, I said, yes, she said, well, There is this other woman in the congregation, and I'm very upset with her. I said, stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I said, first of all, I don't want to know who she is. I don't want to know what the situation is, because Scripture says, Yeshua says, that if you've got an issue with someone, you need to go to her personally, and I'm not yet to be involved in this. So you go to her personally in a spirit of love and work it out among the two of you. She said, well, no, Rabbi. That's why I called you to do it. And I said, no, you don't understand. This is what scripture says to do. Well, long story short, she got so upset with me, she never came back to the congregation, but that's between her and God. We don't want to do that which makes us feel uncomfortable, which is why Yeshua says, I want you to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. So a true peacemaker, let's take another look at this beatitude, maybe a little closer to what Yeshua really meant. Oh, the joy that comes, When you seek peace with others, even and especially when doing so isn't easy, you do that and you're truly acting like a child of God. This last section, if you will, of the Beatitudes, some may think it's three, I condense it into one because it has the theme of persecution attached to it. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 i just want to find out i see some of you are still writing keep your hand up if you need to get the rest of this but also by the way aaron we're recording this right which means i should have told you this at the beginning you can go on the website afterward and write at your leisure don't you feel better that i said that now don't you wish i said that half an hour ago so it'll be on the website for you but let's go on to this next one Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile and they persecute you. They say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, the Psalms speak about persecution, specifically Psalm 31, verse 15. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Got a little story to tell you about this one to drive the point home. Um, Prior to um, leading a congregation, I served as a hospice chaplain in Phoenix and, and loved it. It was very enriching, very rewarding for me because I would visit people who were in facilities where sometimes nobody would visit them for months. They would not see a friendly face coming in just to talk with them and smile and share the love. And it meant so much. And, and I enjoyed it so much because I got to talk with these people and hear their stories. And in many cases, share Yeshua with them. And the hospice organization, I remember at my hiring interview, they said, now, Jack, we have Christian patients And we also have Jewish patients, and we need to know which group can we send you to see. And I said, "Uh aha, because I told them I can identify with both. I'm a believer in Yeshua, and I'm also Jewish. They said, oh, my gosh, you're our anybody guy. We'll send you to see anybody. And so sometimes I would see Christian patients, other times I would say Jewish patients. And and I remember one night I was at home, and the phone rang, and they said, Jack, we need you to go and see someone tomorrow. And I said, all right, are they Christian or Jewish? And they said, well, none of the above. And I said, oh, they said, yes. They said, we need you to go see this man. He is Catholic, and his family has asked for a Catholic priest to visit him and say last rites over him. And I said, you do realize who you're calling, don't you? And and they said, well, we don't have anybody else, and you're our anybody guy, so if you could do that for us, Jack, we appreciate it. By the way, when you say last rites over him, they want you to do it in Latin. Thanks, bye-bye. Now, I don't know any of this, and, and after I got off the phone, I thought, all right, last rites in Latin, where am I? And I looked through my vast theological library that I have in my house, saying surely there's something on that bookcase that will help me and show me how to say last rites in latin and so i finally found the one resource that would provide it google.com and went on there and i said okay i said i could do that so the following day came i walked into the hospice facility i was escorted in and introduced as father zimmerman yes And i went and i prayed over the man and 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 was there and just ministered to him and i felt wonderful about it because isn't the greatest commandment loving god and loving your neighbor the next day the hospice organization called me and they said all right we have someone for you to see i said i can't wait to hear who this is they said no he's a jewish man i said i can do that one that's easy And he's in a facility and we want you to go visit him and i walked into the facility and he's there i guess he's in his 90s he's on the bed and his two daughters who are in their 50s are also there by the bed and i walk in and 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 i introduce myself as rabbi jack zimmerman and one of the daughters introduces herself and i believe she was with the union of american hebrew congregations And so I said the prayers that are traditionally said at that point and and gave comfort to the two daughters, and, uh, and I was about to go until one of the daughters asked us that question that we as Messianic rabbis always eventually get sooner or later from someone in the traditional community. So, Rabbi, do you have a congregation in town? Why, yes, I do. So rabbi, is it an orthodox congregation? Uh, no. Uh, a conservative congregation? I said, no. They said, reform? I said, keep going. And they said we don't know of any other kind i said well this congregation is a congregation where we have we have jews and gentiles who who come together and we go through the through the whole bible and we talk about adam and eve and joseph and david and moses and all of the names that i was saying was working out really well until i got to yeshua and then the lady from the uahc said oh so is this a messianic congregation i said that's the one They said rabbi would you please get out and they kicked me out of the room i got back to my office and i knew things would not go well because the minute my manager saw me he said uh jack can you come in my office for a second? have you noticed that never works out as a positive statement the boss never you know could you come into my office for a second you go into the office i just want to say you're getting a raise that never happens and so the my, my manager said, he said, did you visit this patient? I said, yes, I did. Did you pray over them? Yes, I did, etc. In fact, I did everything that a hospice chaplain is supposed to do to provide comfort. They said, well, Jack, we have a little problem. And I'm thinking in my mind, of course we do. They said, one of the daughters called us and basically said, you're not a rabbi, you're not Jewish, you're a Christian in disguise. Rabbi Howard, we've never heard of any of this stuff before Ever and they've threatened to sue our organization and because of that, we have to let you go. And they did. And that didn't hurt so much. What really hurt was as I walked out of that office, I saw people that I'd been working there alongside with for years, friends. We had laughed together and cried together and not one of them would even make eye contact with me. Persecution for your faith. But listen, don't feel bad for me there are people overseas who are being slaughtered because they have the word of god in their hands this is what Yeshua was speaking of the persecution that comes not because you've done anything wrong in fact because you've done everything right and so maybe a better way of saying this last and final beatitude would be something like this oh the joy when you're mistreated why simply because you believe in messiah but you know what don't worry because in the end your heavenly reward will be greater than anything you've experienced here on earth. Now we know, now we have a much better idea of what Yeshua really said on that Mount of the Beatitudes with all of his deems sitting around him some 2,000 years ago. And of course, that's why we here attend a Messianic congregation. We don't simply want to know about Yeshua we want to know yeshua truly from his origins and today we've had the opportunity to get maybe a little bit closer to knowing a little bit more about a little part of that on a hill overlooking the sea of galilee a long time ago let me close us in prayer abraham hey isaac hey jacob the god of abraham isaac and jacob lord we thank you so so much that we have the resources and the wherewithal to be able to go back and understand the construct of the language and the meanings and where it comes from, because we want to know him spiritually, intimately, knowing his words, knowing what he was trying to truly express so that we might follow and obey. For he said, if you love me, you indeed will keep my commandments. Yeshua, help us to keep all your words and help us to do so, knowing truly what those words really were in the first place. We give you all the glory, praise, honor you are due in the precious and strong name of Yeshua. And all of congregation Beth Messiah agreed and said, God bless you, everyone. Shabbat Shalom.